Meet Don Cholo, a coffee-guzzling grizzled hombre of 82 years. To prepare six inches of the finest chola wood, Don Cholo must drink an entire tin of Café Bustelo. He must search the Arizona desert on his quest to find only specimens that rival Joe's rock-hard physique. He must then remove 2,000 spines, yet he still plucks every one of those 2,000 spines by hand before he can cut them to length. The work is not easy, but this is how it must be done to ensure only the finest chola wood. So for Don Cholo, there is no other way. After all, he's not preparing the most delicate hardscape, but the most rugged. Thankfully, you don't have to go to extreme lengths to save on your next order. Simply use promo code AQUARIUMGUYS at checkout to save 15% off and experience the mastery of Don Cholo. Joe Shrimp Shack. Savor the wood. One more thing, guys. We have a couple different giveaways to tell you about. Number one, Reef Flowers and Cobalt Aquatics are doing a giveaway. They have an Aquascape contest. Certainly go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. On the bottom of the website, you will see the contest there for Aquascape contest. Anybody is allowed to put in for the Aquascape contest. It can be any size tank. All are welcome. Submit your picture, and the grand prize will be a... 18-gallon all-in-one aquarium system from Cobalt Aquatics with including either reef flowers, freshwater fertilizers, or marine chemicals, depending on which one you so choose. So certainly send your planted tank or reef tank pictures to the contest. Again, thank you very much to Reef Flowers and Cobalt Aquatics, which you can use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout at both stores for 25% off your entire order at checkout. Don't miss out. And also, J4 Flower Horns is still giving away a prize flower horn. You can also sign up at the bottom of the website, AquariumGuysPodcast.com. And again, you can use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout for J4 Flower Horns website as well for, I believe, 10% off. Thanks, guys, and let's kick that podcast. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. guys welcome to the podcast so i think this is going to be a, we, we pre-record our episodes right so this is going to be closest to halloween i think so uh where's your wig i, I took Jimmy, my wig. i couldn't i couldn't hear through my, the headphones that i don't want to hear it man so <laughs> i think jimmy like episode 30s or 40s said that we had to wear wigs for halloween or something because he wanted to dress up like uh rock bands so i did not take it as normally jimmy would he was in a mullet wig for an 80s hairband I, however, have the uh, classic emo wig on. I, I look like like uh, Ellie Mae from the Beverly Hillbillies. That's who I look like. <laughs> right? <laughs> I thought we had OFR on as guest tonight. Yay! You, you never know. You never know. Well, again, I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam Elnishire. This week, we're tickled pink to have Dr. Fish Episode 3, The Doctors in the House, y'all. Uh, James, welcome to the party. Why, thank you. Happy to be here. Now, for those that have not been in prior installments of Dr. Fish, um, James is the uh, head of fish health, if you will, at Seagrass Farms, the largest wholesaler of tropical fish in the United States. And we're just tickled pink to have him on. He's basically the fish version of Dr. Phil. He just has more hair. He has a lot more hair. A lot more hair. On the back. 
<laughs> on the back. On the back. On the back. James, again, thanks so much for having us. And a big thank you to Seegers Farms, who uh, you know allowed him to come and do this on a regular basis with us. It's been a while. That is mainly our fault. We're busy people. We had to order wigs. <laughs> I just get the scowl look from you. This was your idea, man. Don't don't give me that. Yeah. Yeah, we're all going to wear dresses in episode 47. Hey, Beach Turtles there episode, doesn't it? Exactly. All right, so... Like we do every week, we're going to dive into a couple sent-in questions. Now, what we do for Dr. Fish is you can go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. On the bottom of the website, you'll find our Discord link. That's where we go on, do a live chatting. We, essentially, it's like a fan site where we can all help each other with our community tanks. And we do a lot of fun hanging outs. And that's where we record the podcast live. So if you want to join this live, do that. And we're also now starting to do this on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash AquariumGuys. Check us out. You'll see the wigs. You actually get to see our, our face. And I sold our soul to the devil this week, Jimmy. Yes, you did. And uh, for that, you will go straight to hell. Well, you were anyway. So. Uh, I guess After I, you deal with HR. Uh, you know, this uh, black mascara and uh, the lipstick didn't come in on time. So I'm kind of actually upset. But uh, I figured I'm going there anyway. So we decided, because we're getting battered so much by people, to add our podcast to YouTube. Yes, we finally did it. And, you know, I only put 27 episodes up. We're still, you know, converting them, putting them up as much as we can. Out of that, I think we got only 11 copyright notices. You're so, yay! <laughs> Go Robs! You're welcome. You're welcome. Who knew that, you know, making a little reference to, uh, you know, breeding jokes and playing, you know, stuff like Lionel Richie and Marvin Gaye would get us copywritten. I, I didn't know that. I hope we get served some papers because I would have to be served by somebody so I could frame that and put it on my wall. Wouldn't that just be like our milestone <laughs> moment? It would. It's kind of like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory when he has all his uh, cease and assist uh, from Leonard Nimoy and all those guys. So. Right. So we'll, we'll put that on the wall. But no, come join the debauchery and we save these Dr. Fish questions, because again, we're this is a recurring uh, episodes that we do. So next will be doc episode four. So if you have these crazy, we want you to like stump Dr. Fish, because if he doesn't know, we're going to find out and pull it back for the next episode. So, you know, if you truly stump him, we'll put you in for a drawing for a prize. Maybe we should give him that wig that you're wearing. You, maybe, maybe some wig, fingernail polish and mascara. There we go. Justin. We'll make it a we'll make it a kit. If it's all used, it's because it's Robbie's personal stash. That's right. right. We did a bunch of uh, questions last week, but we still got more in. We love you keeping them coming in. You can email, text, however. But uh, this one is uh, Aiden. Aiden says, "Hey guys, love the podcast and your willingness to help. I have blue, really neocardinia shrimp in a tank, approximately from a year ago. They started off great, multiplied to approximately thirty-ish shrimp." I noticed a sharp decline in my population. I have also noticed some of my shrimps have a dark spot on the top of them near their head. I did some research, and I think they have black spot disease. I have not found a good answer for treatment and wanted to know what you guys suggest. Other tank inhabitants are two mono shrimp, a mixture of snails, including ram's horn, one nearite, and Malaysian trumpet snails, a.k.a. pea puffer food. Uh, it's a planted tank, and it has some hair algae. I'm working on controlling. Parameters are 8.2, ammonia zero, nitrate zero, and nitrate high at five. Um, I appreciate any help on the po uh, appreciate any help and I love the podcast. So you also sent us a picture and it's a top angle of your shrimp. I have provided Adam and the doctor in the house with these pictures. And uh, again, this one was one that we got earlier in the week. So I decided to send this to our own expert in house, Joe Shrimp Shack. I have shrimp, 
I don't have a ton of disease. I don't have a lot of issues with shrimp. They're not like common to get ick. So disease for me has been a few and far between issue. I've seen a couple other people have it, but it's always parameter based. So I sent it in the expert because again, if we can't figure it out, we're going to find someone. And Joe had a recommendation that he directly sent me. I'm pulling it up here. Tell him to do a RODI water change. The pH is super high. And from what the pictures show, best guess is shell deformity is what he's seen on a more common basis. So again, if you see blotches, especially towards the head where the essentially the shell starts, um, could be a lot of symptoms. I have a lot of shrimp that have been given to me and they've had a lot of blotchiness and then after a molt, they're clear. So I don't know if that where they came from had bad water parameters, but he's saying that he's seeing a shell deformity change uh, change for uh, to RODI dropping that pH. Certainly work on that. Otherwise, doctor, do you have any recommendations from that picture and the informa information you've heard? Really, that that's probably going to be the best route if it is indeed a parasite issue. Uh, unfortunately, uh, most crustaceans don't take treatments very well. Formalin is, is about the safest thing to use on them, maybe some salts and stuff. But pH is quite a bit high for, for those shrimp. Uh, I, I would say, you know, lower lower to mid-7. And, uh, you know... Neocardinia can take higher pH than the, you know, cardinia shrimp, for sure. Like mine Correct. are probably 7, 8, but, you know, there are maybe missing water changes. You said you already have, you know, some hair algae. There may be other bacteria in the water as well. RODI just ensures to drop it and remove any purities. And honestly, that's just his way of promoting you to change the water. Get on it. Pit yeah, yeah. I, I would say I would say that's uh, some pretty solid advice there. I mean, and he probably needs a bigger tank. Right. More tanks. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, some of the weird remedies that I've heard, and even uh, Joe's mentioned this in certain issues in the past for, like, rust spots is what they call it, is, like, dog dewormer. <laughs> Can you give that to them? I, I hear people doing it. I, this is not us formally giving you a recommendation, but more of that, you know, side knowledge. Kind of like how people use vodka to remove ammonia from their water. Yeah, uh, m most wormers are going to be safe for, for most of your tank inhabitants, uh, although ivermectin. It can be pretty toxic. Well, thank you again for the question. Um, again, if you have more, send it to us. Before we get into the list of questions for Doctor, uh, Doctor, how you been, man? We we haven't talked to you in a while. You know, our audience wants to know what's new in your world. Uh, been doing great. Uh, think I'm fully recovered from COVID. Wonderful. So, uh, all my energy back and uh, back at work. Not sure if if you know everybody knows, but uh, the the fish business is booming all around the world. It's not just here uh, in the U.S., but uh, we've actually got more business than we can handle right now. So, good thing. Hey, take away Carnival Cruises and people want to do stuff indoors. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Jimmy's just I'm just bitter because I said that. I, I just had a conversation uh, with my, my people that uh, supply crickets. Ooh. And they are... Uh, I have How not, are they doing? They, they, uh, are they hopping? Uh, they're they are so hopping that they have not sold anything for two weeks because they are so oversold, and um, they have been out of crickets for cheapers twenty twenty one days. I haven't had crickets, and uh, they just called today so they'll have crickets next week and stuff. But they are turning people away because everybody has gotten into uh, reptiles and whatnot, and their sales have increased so dramatically they can't keep up. And so the people like myself who have a standing order. We're the only ones getting crickets next week. Anybody else that's, that uh, doesn't normally have a standing order won't even get crickets next week. That'd be four weeks. And this happened a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, too, where for a few weeks they didn't have crickets. 
because of the, the supply, uh, the demand always is the supply so much. So what we're doing is uh, we're going to start a cricket farm. Yeah, we're going to, in your hair, actually. In my hair. Got everything. In your hair, Robbie. We'll yeah, start. in my hair. It'll be great. We'll, uh, we'll wear suspenders. We'll get pickup trucks for no apparent reason other than to tax right off. And a toothpick and some bib overalls. Yeah, if baby. If you want to do this, we can do this. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, uh, I talked to her today at length, and, and she goes, she's been spending, you know, 45, 50 phone calls a day saying, I can't get you your order this week. And Wait, did that, you talk to the nice one, Jim, or you know who? I, I talked to the nice one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so in other news, yes. uh, number one, James, well, we're happy to have you back. Glad to hear business is booming, and uh, thanks again. In, in other news, like I talked to you about the sadness of my tank leaking out last last episode, right? Oh, your tank. Right, my tank. I, I, I saw your wife uh, cleaning it up, yeah. I didn't see you so much cleaning it hey, up. Hey, I was up until, like, all hours of the morning, sir. Yeah. Right, and it's still there, and now my stand's ruined. But in better news, uh, apparently we've now become local famous. So we have people messaging us on Facebook, our social medias, you know, the, through the Aquarium Guys normal means. But uh, now I got someone messaging me on Facebook saying, hey, found out you guys are in the area. I've already been listening to the podcast. Wanted to see if you got food supplies on hand. So, uh, yeah, we got uh, got some bloodworms for me, Jimmy? I uh, sure do. I have Wonderful. In my back pocket. And uh, then got her hooked up with Joe's Shrimp Shack, get her some shrimp food on the way as well. So uh, if you're in the local area and you want to meet somebody, um, go to Jimmy's house, not mine. <laughs> That's what I want. I want, I want fans out, of the, out in the driveway. Right. Don't worry, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hold oh, your address well. hostage for years. You can Google it if you wanted. You can giggle it on the inner tubes. Uh, for those that don't know, right, we have a merch store. At the beginning of the podcast, when we started the merch store, I said that if we made our quota, we would get an Aquarium Guys crop top and I model it. We never made the quota in time, but here is the Aquarium Guys crop top for those <laughs> online. It is like nothing, isn't it? It's like, it's like a lion cloth at best. It's like for a 12-year-old girl. Well, apparently, there's a friend of mine. I wouldn't even let a 12-year-old girl wear that one. Shout out to <laughs> Tina from the Psychedelic Podcast. She's going to be coming up to visit us to see if Minnesota's right for her. And she said she wanted some Aquarium Guys memorabilia. So that crop top is on her. What should we make for different goals, Jimmy? Since they didn't get the crop top. I, I figured we better make Adam dress up in something. Like, if we make our milestone, we'll send Adam something, you know. Yeah, like Adam, a bandana. Aquarium Guys bandana. Why? Adam needs to take one for the team. Yeah, because you're the prettiest of us all. I mean, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're man candy. I mean, we already talked with Seeger's PR department, and uh, they said we can't dress up, James. And Bummer. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, I hear you. Bummer. All right. Well, uh, shall we start the party off? Before we start it, did you bring any questions, or do you just want to read the, the user submissions first? I got nothing for you, man. I just showed up today. You got nothing? You're just, you're just here smiling and took off the wig? Yeah. You party pooper. So where we left off last time is, does replacing biotope in an aquarium really help fish live a long and happy life? I've never uh, lived in such regions that the fish are, i.e. versus tank raised. Let's say cardinal tetras. Having the matching biotope versus, say, a separate decorated tank with at least some decor. What, what, why is the native biotope better, or do you disagree with that? No, I, I actually, I would agree with it. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to improve the health of the fish in, in, in particular, but it will will increase the well-being of the fish. Uh, if you look to the uh, five freedoms of uh, animal welfare, 
a fish that's in the wild, even though it wasn't grown in the wild, is going to be more at home because you know that that that's in it's in there genetically still, even if they were raised. I mean, my argument is, you know, if they're tank raised, they've never seen their natural habitat. You at least know that the safest bet is where they come from. You're not going to do it wrong where anything else is could be a risk. If you haven't doesn't don't know someone's done it before, or you're trying to come up with something unique, you know that their their home habitats the at least what they came from. You're you're not going to do anything bad to them doing that. Uh, absolutely, uh, especially if you're just talking the aesthetic uh, points, uh, because you know uh, tank raised fish or, or you're not going to have to. Uh, well, let's take discus for instance. Uh, uh, most most tank raised discus, well, when they're growing them by the thousands, uh, they're doing probably hundred percent water changes a day in these tanks, uh, and and they're not doing soft water. They're not controlling it at all. They, you know, whatever water comes in is the water that's coming in, and uh, uh, we, when our discus come in, uh, they're shipped in water in the, in the eights. Uh, we get it down in in the low in the low sevens, but uh, other than that, they, they do fine. You don't you don't have to adjust it down to 4.0 just because they're a discus. Wonderful. All right, next question. Or next item up for biz. We have why is there a hole in my fish and how should I treat it? I'm assuming it's some kind of anti microbial, and I sent you, Doctor and Adam, both pictures. We got uh, that guy right there, Jimmy. I think that fish has a navel piercing. Yeah, that, that looks like it's uh, spring break scars for sure. Spring break, yeah. That's what happens. You go to Florida and drink beer on the beach. What's your thought, doctor? Yeah, that's that, that's more than likely a bacterial infection. Uh, hard, hard to say what type of infection that might be uh, w without actually culturing the bacteria. Uh, salt, 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 salt. Salt it up, boys. Salt. I mean, you could have predicted that one, right, Jimmy? Salt in a new tank. Salt in <laughs> another tank. That's always what it is. Um, honestly, it looks like you stuck a piece of gum to its, uh, bottom fin. It's kind of a interesting little gr growth there for sure. But all right, next question. If you can choose one medication over all others, what would it be and why salt? <laughs> <laughs> because it's $3 for 40 pounds. Well played, oh, sir. Funny. Well played. Uh, and, and that, that, that is, that, that's the number one, uh, that's my first go-to always. Uh, no, no need to be throwing chemicals, uh, you know, harsh chemicals in anything, oxidizers in anything, uh, especially if you're not sure what it is to begin with. Uh, definitely don't want to be throwing antibiotics in something that doesn't need antibiotics on it. Uh, so, you know, uh, salt also, you know, it's going to, if you have any nitrite problems, you're going to be able to uh, uh, combat that with salt. And, uh, and another thing great about salt it's really easy to get it out of the water, too. Wonderful. I just want to point out that we've had a couple people message us with, like, memes like, if your food tastes bad and your fish is bad, add salt. Well, I'm a person <laughs> that adds ranch, so don't do that to your fish. Just putting that out there. There is one disclaimer I'd add about salt, though. I, I, I think I mentioned in the last podcast about killing all my plants because I added salt when I did water changes. And, yeah, but guppies and brackish, so. You know, How they are you? they're okay, but my plants not so much. So no, no when to add your salt. If you're super planted and those particular plants are sensitive to salt, you know that's what we have quarantine tanks. Be uh, be smart, tub it up. You know, rubber made totes go a long way. 
Cycle them through with some sponge filters. Make sure the heat's properly done. Lit it. Keep them dark. Dark lowers stress as well. All right, next one. What are common problems with are that plague breeders, live breeders, or egg layers, and how can we set ourselves up for success? Are there different uh, differences versus large scale and small scale? I feel like this is a huge question, and it actually was uh, put up by Scrap a while ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, water quality, okay, uh, number one. Uh, actually, a lot, a lot of breeding is controlled uh, by pH or temperature. So, if you're talking about breeding, you really want to be on uh, on your water quality for uh, predation uh, by by the cohorts uh, and our parents uh, for live bears. De definitely want to keep an eye on that. Uh, like mollies, I I've seen mollies eat mollies while they're being born. You know, there's another molly will chase after the female and while she's popping babies out, the other molly's gobbling them up. It's just so, food dispensers. Yeah, like a, absolutely. Like a Pez dispenser. Yeah, similar. And uh, so you suggest more salt for that? <laughs> <laughs> take, take a little, uh, little pelts of salt and throw it at the other molly? Sp speaking of breeding uh, and stuff. <laughs> speaking of breeding, yeah, <laughs> scrap perks right up. So, well, it was, since it was one of my old questions, I've probably come a little ways since I posted that question. I even forgot about that. I was, I was, I spent a lot of time looking at my forty breeder with all the guppies, and I noticed one female that had like this little weird thing on her belly, and I finally caught her, and she, it looked like this little jelly, almost like how an egg clutch looks with from like uh, snails, but it was on her belly, and I didn't know what it was, so I took her out and I put her in with the frontosas as a call. I was like, I don't know what that is, but it's gone. I didn't know if you knew what maybe something like that would be or something, mm. some kind of weird growth like that. You've uh, seen something that looked like a little piece of gel with a thing in the middle of it. Really not sure without, you know, without seeing it, unfortunately. That, that's like calling your doctor on the phone and be like, you know, I have this thing on my lower extremities and I just, I'm concerned. Do I cut it off? Do I... I, just, I need to see you in the office. You never so. cut anything off on your Send pictures ever. Send pictures, Scrap, <laughs> is what we're saying. But uh, fungal fungal and or bacterial infections on the eggs, uh, that's something you really have to watch for. Definitely want to have the uh, the optimal feeds for, for each stage of, uh, of life, you know, from from uh, fry to, to adult. Uh, very different uh, large scale versus small scale. Uh, just incredibly different. Uh, you know, lot, lots of people can uh, breed, you know, small batches of fish. Uh, it's a whole other thing when you're trying to breed, uh, you know, 100,000 of those fish. Many fishes just aren't uh, viable candidates for successful capital breeding, especially at a large scale. You just need too much space, uh, too much time. And, and a, great, a great example of know-how is uh, that neon tetras uh, weren't even com commercially bred until the, in the U.S. until the 90s. My, my best friend and I, he, uh, he was working at Seagrist uh, back then. We would bring the neons in from Asia, bag them up, and, and get them sent over to the breeders. So most of the neons in the, in the industry today uh, come, come from those fish uh, we brought in about uh, 18 years ago. Hoorah. Have you noticed any genetic problems yet with those neons since they've been bred or have you tried to outcross it all or? Well, yeah, yeah, they bring, yeah, it's that, it, that's, I mean, they've brought in more since then and, and, and they trade back and forth that way they, you know, you get that hybrid vigor and that new blood. What's, what's a uh, telltale sign that you would need to bring new genetics into your pool? Uh, lots of deformities. 
scoliosis, lordosis, stuff like that, uh, missing, uh, missing operculum, anything like that that's consistent. For the listeners okay. that are now trying to Google operculum, can you tell them what that is? Uh, that's the gill cover. Is that a common defic- genetic problem? Uh, it can be uh, that that one's also uh, that that one can be a vitamin deficiency as well. Uh, same thing with uh, lordosis and scoliosis. So scoliosis is like calcium, right? That's calcium deficiency. It, it can be, right? It, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a Flintstone vitamin after this just to celebrate. That versus toliosis is when you stub your toe on the bedroom dresser. That's toliosis. Excellent. Oh yeah, <laughs> the one with the claw feet that stick out just, oh, just that hurts, far enough it? to catch you when you're in the dark. Two in the morning as you're going up to the bathroom, that just hurts. Can diagnose. Hey, quick question, Doctor Fish. Um, the neons that are being bred in Florida are they doing that in tanks, or you know, can you tell us a little bit how that's being done commercially? Uh, they they do them in giant, giant, giant vats, like those big cement vats. Yes, correct. Yeah, burial vats. When you bury your loved ones. And the casket goes in that cement vault. Well, see, we're up in north, right? So we just bury them directly in the dirt and put them in our, you know, a little coffin, right? Yeah, it makes the grass grow better. Makes the grass grow better. But down south, heaven forbid they bury people in coffins down there and they have a flood. Then you see Grandma Ethel floating down the river. Like, you don't need that happening. So they need to cement that shit up so they <laughs> they make uh, big old vaults. I thought they used mausoleums. Because the oh, only that's, time that's Ma- mausoleums, yeah, are... that's for above ground, above, for above ground, ground. Yeah. When they put them in the ground, right. it's actually a burial vat. Yeah, so just to make sure that the only time Grandma Ethel is going to visit is when she's still kicking. You know what I mean? Yeah. That actually happens in 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 Louisiana quite often. Actually, Grandma comes back. They float right out the mausoleum. The doors are open. All right, tiny tiny further tangent on this, right? <laughs> I didn't know this and how I figured this out. I'm like, what I saw like some news article like, oh, I unexpected flooding in this state and all these, you know, coffins are popping up and I started Googling it. Sure enough, there was like some dude that on YouTube, I can't find the video now. It's probably removed because everybody hates this type of video. And literally the dude's taking a picture of the flood outside of his house. And it's a, it's basically a river in the street in front of him. And there's like seven coffins and he's like betting them on it like racehorses. He's like, come on, get to the black one. He's like announcing it. Like it's some like, you know, Calgary Downs. That's brutal. And that still didn't answer my question about breeding neons, but thanks a lot for going off into the ditch on that one. Hey, hey, we're here for you. We're here for you. So, yeah, the the, the, the one time I did uh, go down to 5D down in, in Florida and stuff, they have uh, rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of those cement. What, what do you call them, Dr. Fish? What are they called? Uh, They're burial vats. Burial vats, yeah. And, yeah. and, there's, and what's nice about those, too, is, is uh, they probably don't, ever move during a hurricane i assume they're low cost they're right they're they're low cost or full of, so do they breed those fish in right in the tank and how do they collect the eggs now that that part i'm not privy to because i don't work on that farm and uh you know some of that's well well guarded secrets obviously that smells like uh, an episode to have with a uh, breeder there jimmy yeah maybe <laughs> uh, but yeah they, they they'll put them in there and and then they they move them from vat to vat as they grow bigger and, and as they pull the coals, and, and then we get them and send them to y'all. Off they go. What's your you, next you question? Mean to tell me they've got some guy that just his whole job is to catch the little tiny neon tetras out of a vat, a six-foot vat, and then figure out the coals? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I actually used to do that with the, uh, with the baby uh, Glodanios, one mm-hmm. by one. 
Oh. So do you collect babies or you or you pick up the breeding stock and move them in, into a different tank? Uh, uh on the Danios I was I was getting the wigglers out of out of the uh the, the spawn buckets. Uh they they would just spawn those in styro styros, like the styro that comes in your the, the fish box. Yes. And and they'll spawn them in the styro and, and then we would collect the, the wigglers and the eggs uh, out of the styro and the ones that would fluoresce we would keep and the ones that didn't fluoresce. You know, they were food. Yeah, when I was down to uh, Norton's Tampa Bay Fishery, um, and I think you guys actually own that farm now. Correct. They were showing us how they, they breed the zebra danios in the styrofoam coolers. And at that time, they had those styrofoam coolers stacked up, and they just had a piece of netting in there, and the zebra danios were probably only in about two and a half, three inches of water. And so they're egg scatterers, and so as, as they're laying eggs and stuff, the males would fertilize them, and then the eggs would fall down through the netting, and then they were unable to get there and eat the eggs. And I thought that was that, quite quite interesting and quite low cost. That's pretty standard. All right, so next question on the list. We're going to keep powering through because we got a bunch. We still got to get to TCTs yet. Uh, can you confirm or dispel the authenticity of substrate gas bubbles that release, quote-unquote, toxic ammonia and kill your entire tank? You see this commonly said on forms, but I can never find any real science behind it, nor people that have experienced it. It's not actually toxic ammonia. Uh, what, what's going on there is uh, deep sand beds or, or even just dirty gravel beds. You, you'll get a buildup of anaerobic bacteria down there. They, they will actually produce hydrogen sulfide. Uh, and uh, that's, that's that uh, egg water, if you've ever smelled a well. It uh, usually comes out of shallow wells rather than uh, deep wells. Deep wells are pretty clean. Shallow wells have a lot of hydrogen sulfide in them. That is extremely toxic to fish at levels that we can't even smell. If you can smell it, then you know you're real bad. Oh, if you can smell it, your fish are going to die. Okay, is there any yep. ways to remedy this? Because I heard that helping fizz the water, if it happened, uh, while doing a water change can help. Yeah, you gas it off. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the easiest way. I've had a couple times in my own tank where I had a couple that were pretty egg salady. And uh, I'm like, oh, no. And I just like threw like six stones in there. And I'm like crossing my fingers and nothing happened. So I, I think I got lucky. Yep, yep, yeah. Gassing it off. Uh, uh, we pass ours through uh, a pack column or, or you know, just a, a big column full of bio balls. Uh, you, you can also use a, a, an aerator uh, or you can use a spray bar. Perfect. So to prevent this, what do you recommend they do? Uh, keep your gravel clean all the time. Water changes, water changes, water changes. What if it's sand, water right? Because the idea is, you know, poo and, and fish food aren't going to fall through, you know, fine sand. So what do you recommend for sand? Uh, that That's a rough one. I, I, I'm not I'm not big on deep sand beds. Uh, I know I know some people are. Uh, I, but uh, in my experience, it's 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 too much of a risk. So I'm a big sand bed guy. Right. And what I do and I recommend other people that want to do the big sand bag, uh, beds and there's reasons for specific species such as like horse face loaches. One of the funnest species you can do. Three inches of sand is a lot of fun for them to watch you like basically swim in and out of. It is a lot of fun. But again, that's a big risk. You get a couple pieces mixed in of any type of bacteria and it's going to create those gas bubbles. So you have a couple different options. Have those fish that will churn up the bottom continually. If you don't. Make sure that you're taking a, you know, a stick, a tweezer, and essentially raking out your sand and releasing those bubbles on a, on a regular basis. I recommend it once a month just to make sure. That's at least what I do, and I don't get the egg salad smell. I don't have any issues with fish. 
Otherwise, you could be terrible and get yourself, you know, Malaysian trumpet snails, and they'll b- dig right to the bottom of your sand, and uh, you'll never see them again. It'll take over like an alien invasion. The burly. assassin snails do the same thing. I have a handful in no. my sixty-five gallon. The, they go down in the the assassin snails. There, there's a there's a double-edged sword there. Assassin snails will, but they only will go as far as they can use their. I like calling it an elephant trunk. As far as they can breathe, they won't bury themselves to the point that they can't breathe. So if you have three inches, they're not burying that deep. Unlike the trumpet snails, which will go to the bottom of hell. To trumpet snails will burrow into your soul. Yes, they will burrow into your soul. <laughs> I hate trumpet snails. So, so that's what's wrong with Jimmy. I, I want an hour and a half of just barking about trumpet snails. Can we do that? Yeah. You know what? That, It'd just be you and, you and I, Adam, by ourselves in a closet. We're just going to have two old men bitching. That's what we're going to call that episode. On a park bench. Yeah. Not yes. even that old. I'll bring my didgeridoo. Jimmy's complaints, the episode. Done. All right. <laughs> Next one. Um, I, this isn't a question. I think that someone would just try trying to find a, a place to start a conversation. This is a quote-unquote rumor because we cannot prove this. Human growth hormone is used in Australia to induce spawning. Uh, commonly HCG. Do you know anything about this, Doctor? Uh, yeah, the, that's actually two different things. Human go- go- growth hormone is HGH. Uh, human chorionic gonadotropin is actually uh, what's used uh, for bre- uh, spawning fish. HCG, um, excuse me. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, HGH was what, what was on the, the question. I, I, I've got it here as well. Uh, carp pituitary gland is, is the most common used for spawning. Uh, also, uh, gonadotropin releasing hormone from both humans and salmon is is often used and they have some they have some analogs to that too uh some some man-made synthetic versions of the same and also uh methyl testosterone is currently used right now to produce higher rates of male tilapia and and we're 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 looking to be able to get that into ornamental fish soon in florida at least and what would be the advantage of just doing um male fish that's so people don't have the females to breed and compete uh no so you when you're talking food fish the uh, a lot of the males get bigger and faster okay so, that makes sense. They, yeah, they they want to grow a bunch of males. Uh, but for uh, ornamental fish, you know, just to make sure you have uh, the the right amount of uh, guppies, uh, that that's one thing. One thing that led to the decline of growing guppies here in Florida. Uh, same thing with swordtails. Uh, we're losing our males. We've had uh, University of Florida studying it for years and years. Nobody's come up with a uh, with, with a real solution to it, unfortunately, or or a cause. Only thing I've ever found is there's a couple papers out of South America that say uh, runoff from farming affects the amount of male fish in natural areas in South America. So that might have something to do with it. Would that be like the excess nitrates in the water from the fertilizer? I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the nitrates. I think it's uh, something else. You know, more more on the chemical Pesticide. side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doesn't the pH affect the fish and the general hardness? Doesn't that affect it? I remember reading somewhere. It's going to depend on the species of fish. Okay, so it's not just uh, every fish. It just knocks out males and makes. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. It's yeah. It's going to be highly species specific. Okay, I didn't know that, that, but I did. So that is true that like some fish, you can control the the sex of the eggs, the babies, based on with like general hardness or whatever. Uh, temperature and pH typically, but but uh, other other factors can play in as well. Okay. All right, so I'm going to take a pause there. That's the questions we have in our Discord for the aquarium guys. And now I'm going to go to the guest uh, the day. Again, it's the community tank. They have a Discord. They're originally a Discord group of just fish people trying to help other fish people. It's a great place to network, especially with COVID when you can't go to all these uh, 
you know, fish meetings. There's a bunch of fish discords, but this is uh, one that I really keep dear to my heart because uh, I appreciate fish and comedy, and these guys uh, do definitely do it. So if you're looking for some fun, go to thecommunitytank.com. They also have their own little podcast that they do, uh, definitely for adult ears only. I mean, if you think we're the harsh podcast, uh, you know, listen to these guys. They have some fun. But uh, their community decided to get some Dr. Fish questions together because they're a fan of the doctor, frankly. I mean, it's, it's clearly your charm, your glasses, or that uh, sexy voice. We don't know which. It's the, ha- <laughs> it's the hair. It's the, it's the yeah. hair. All right, so the first question is, if my mormorid or any other scaleless fish were to get sick with some common fish uh, sickness seen in the hobby, what is the best way of treating it without harming my fish? Mormorids uh, mar- mar- are tough to treat. On, on, on the system we hold our, our marmorids in, uh, we don't use any formalin on it. It'll, it'll knock them out. Also, uh, no copper in that system ever. No organophosphates because uh, all three of those are, are the kiss of death. You, you can still use your oxidizers. You can use potassium. You can use uh, peroxide, menfen. But you are very limited when you're talking marmorids. The big I've one that I use is, is UV filters for ick because ick is the, the big common one that everybody has. And they're scared to get scalish fish because of it. So whenever I do, I keep a nice size UV filter for the tank and, you know, hope and pray. And don't get me wrong. UV filters are a great way of treating the tank. But the fish itself is going to have to go through its own cycle of the sores on its body. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't you can't treat the, the, the ick that are insisted on the fish. You can only treat them when they're in their free swimming stage. So uh, that, that UV can can be very effective. Uh, oversize it if you can, always. Always. And, you know, oh, double, triple, quadruple, whatever you can afford. The biggest UV you can afford. And if you really. can't afford other UVs, uh, there's a cheap method. If you have a hang on the back filter, you can buy a just the UV light bar and put them in your uh, hang on the back filters. It's around, I think, $12, $15. Easy way of getting it done. But again, it's all about the flow of your hang on the back. If your hang on the back is under filtering your tank, you know, we want you to double filter because we want all the water pushing through that UV filter as much as possible. Now, overseas, didn't they use like elephant nose to uh, run in their water treatment plants and they would watch them? And if the fish started acting a little strangely, they, they knew they had a problem. You ever heard that? I, I'm not sure about the elephant nose. I, I, I do know they use uh, sentinel fish in Asia to see if uh, water is dirty or not. Yeah, I've, I saw something online, and this is a few years ago, and it, it showed an actual, like a water plant office, and they had the fish in the in the aquarium, and the water that was being you know treated went through the aquarium. And if those fish started acting oddly, that's when they would start doing uh, tests and whatnot. And I thought that was kind of interesting using nature to help keep an eye on your water quality that, that makes a lot of sense uh that's act, actually the origin of the glowfish uh that over in asia they use madaka for what you're talking about uh you know checking the water and uh they they would they induce a fluorescing gene so they they could see the madaka easier and what is the madaka it, it's a small fish like a danio okay I thought it was like a, a piece of the fish, like the heart or something. So I was just trying to be more thorough, but just showed I'm a dumbass. Would you read that next question for me, Jimmy, <laughs> since you're a dumbass? Why can't I buy fish in Canada? No, 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 the one above it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What is the best way to treat epistylus? Epistylus? That, yes. That's what I meant. Sure. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so 
water quality, believe it or not. Uh, Epistylus is a uh, is a protist, but it's a it, it's a stalk uh, sessile protist, so it it doesn't actually feed on your fish. It is a pathogen; it's not a parasite. Uh, wh where it attaches to the fish is what causes harm to the fish. It actually feeds on the bacteria that are within the in the fish tank itself. So uh, salt, uh, formalin, uh, pretty much either of those take care of it. Wonderful. So as Jimmy said before, why can't I buy fish meds in Canada? Because Canada has shitty rules. Because they're irresponsible drug addicts. Well, okay. I feel like that's less of a doctor question. <laughs> like, he can't prescribe that Canada has an illness and why they wouldn't have fish meds. That's more of a political question. But, uh, you know, Canada's too focused on maple syrup. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, well, I was going to say, I, I, you can buy fish meds in Canada. You can't buy fish meds from Canada. So Right. And the, if, if you, you wanna, do get any if fish you meds, go to Canada. you have to go through your veterinarian, and they have strict regiments, and it's it's a pain in the rear end. So with this whole COVID thing, has it been tough for you guys to send fish into Canada? Uh, well, actually, not not because of the COVID, uh, but uh, th there's a, a lot more uh, import-export uh, regulations going to into effect starting this month. Uh, so there'll probably be less importation between the U.S. and Canada for a lot of fish. So is it just certain fish that they're, they're not allowing into Canada? Because I know like up here in Minnesota, there's certain things like I can't buy from, from Julie such as uh, like uh, dojo loaches and and uh, things that could live up here in our water. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Every state has that, uh, and they're all different. Uh, it's like uh, you you can't sell koi in Maine. Uh, really? But people just drive to Vermont and buy them there, and then take them back to Maine. Those rat bastards it, over it's there. Kinda, it's kind of kind of silly in a way. The smuggle but, is uh, real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Would a dojo loach even live in Minnesota? Yes. Yeah. If you want to look up the dojo loach can live in Minnesota, and for those that are looking up dojo loach, there's also called weather loach. There's two forms: is their native brown form, and then there's this you know more popular aquarium golden form. And uh, that's what we have in our uh, aquarium guys merch store. If you want to get a you know penis fish T-shirt, but uh, go to uh, just Google yourself um, weather loach in Michigan, and you'll find entire uh, lakes that have been completely succumbed to the dojo loach invasion. Like it completely destroyed the entire ecosystem. Seriously? Yeah, it's it's real hefty in Michigan, and this is like north peak of Michigan. They excel in Minnesota climate because they're from you know really cold areas. You know, the other thing that, that, that kind of blew me away is, is we're not able to purchase blue crayfish from Seagrass up here in Minnesota because uh, apparently the blue crayfish, I don't know if it's... Well, it's it, they're trying to do all crayfish, but there's, there's some limitations to that. Like, they won't do Mexican dwarf. They'll still let that within reason. But it's mainly because of, like, the red spiny crayfish that, that is not supposed to live through a Minnesota climate, but somehow has found a way. Probably burrow themselves down in the mud. Right. So there's just a lot of different crayfish species, and I don't think they want to be the crayfish police. Like, oh, well, that one's blue. Maybe, I don't know, keep it. And then they just get some form of invasive species. They don't really have lessons from the DNR teaching them what crayfish is kosher. It, yeah, and and all states are wacky like that. Uh, like in Florida, you can't uh, buy and sell reddered sliders in Florida, but you can buy and sell an albino reddered slider in Florida. Ooh. So, go figure. You know, and the last time I was down in, in Florida and we went and did the little tour of the different stores and stuff, most stores had readier sliders for educational purposes only. Yes. <laughs> I see what you did there, Jimmy. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. All right. What precautions would it be good to take when buying sensitive wild-caught fish like, you got to hit me up with that one, Jimmy, Paro. You know what? I'm just going to copy-paste that one to Doctor. <laughs> doctor can do this one, right, Doctor? Um, sure. There, try to pronounce that one for me, buddy. It's more than four letters around. Right, can't I can't do it. I'm too hungover. Paros for name. 
that so yeah when buying wild caught of that um how would you go about breeding them and keeping them happy healthy long term i i honestly have to say i'm not familiar with that genus what is uh, it what genus pear osphernemus i'm assuming it's related to a uh, some type of garami but i wouldn't quote myself on that uh yes genus of garami species native to southeast asia all species highly specialized with peat swamp inhabitants uh, native to Southeast Asia, males are usually extremely bright. Um, some of these fish that I've seen in the trade, and again, I don't, I haven't done these. Yeah, they're they're stunning. They they literally look like I can. I'm gonna send you a picture there, Doc. I want to see these. Yeah, let me let me say me the name. I want to look this up. This is this is amazing. The Doc knows it from the top of his head, and then Mr. Googlemeister over here found it on the Google right channel. We're, we're gonna giggle it with our inner tubes <clears throat> if I can giggle it correctly. You know what? I'm just going to grab this and you can look at the picture. There we go. <laughs> and paste and paste. And I'm even going to put it in the chat for the rest of people in Discord. They're beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Stunning. Yeah. The stuff like that is breathtaking. And uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, they, they almost required Pete. But again, never had these. Not going to lie. I kind of want some. Right? I would bet that they, I would bet that you breed them just like a beta. Just based on looking at their body shape and the way that that male's courting the female in the little nest, I bet that that's exactly what you do is you breed them just like a beta. They are garami, so they should be. I mean, bubble nesters. Don't don't feel bad. He does that to a lot of people when he goes to like uh, brings his kids to like group outings. Like, yeah, that mom is a bubble nester. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel like I'm getting dirty looks. You know what? I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna find some of these, breed them, and then I'm gonna tell you to go f off or fluke off. <laughs> fluke off. There you go. <laughs> fluke you fluke me you can go fluke yourself uh, all right there we go but uh again any recommendations you said you haven't uh, had a lot of experience with them no no I, I i absolutely not honestly i know they're really not in the trade um i don't know if that's because they're some of them are sighty species or they're just temperamental or you know no one wants to put pete in their tank i'd or, really like to find out more there's probably a civil war where these things live well you know what i'm gonna put that one in the running for uh you know stump the doctor uh, we're going to have to put notes on that one to find it later for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, next question. I got to go back to the questions. Oh, hey, can I ask a quick one? Oh, please. What, how's the, have you gotten any new stuff from Brazil yet? Because Brazil, Brazil's open, right? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, we've been getting some South American stuff in. Uh, Anything super you, cool? You got to give us, give us hints, man. I mean, I'm not. Oh, uh, hmm. have you gotten any of the uh, traditional Brazilian butt floss yet? yet? <laughs> <laughs> besides the butt floss, besides the butt floss, just speaking for James here, you know, we, we don't mean to pressure you. We understand that the moment you say something, every vendor and their mom are going to call like, hey, we heard on the podcast that we could get this from Seagrass. But so know that if he says it, it may not be all the way come true. Right. Maybe some yeah, in the works. Be yeah, nice to Seagrass Farms. That's true. Yeah, uh, we've got uh, some uh, wild plecos uh, in, the, in that last shipment, some nice stuff. Uh Probably about it on that shipment. Pretty much red and butter stuff. Okay. Darn. I was just excited Brazil opened up again. All right, next question. What are some good preventative measures for making sure your fish don't get sick? I'm going to thumbs down that one. That's what this whole episode's about. You got yeeted. Next question. Have you ever experienced or know any uh, zoonotic, zoonotic? Zoonotic. Zoonotic. Diseases and parasites from feeding insects to fish? Figured there'd be mm. an extra eye in there. No, but one time my crab got crickets. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, mixozoans can can come from uh, e even any tubifid worm can can transfer diseases to fish. So you have to you have to always watch that. 
any tubifex or, or any of the tubifisids in general. So what, what's the risks of that, getting that in your tank? Uh, well, uh, mixozoans, uh, you can't treat. So if, if your fish get them, you're, you're pretty stuck. And also uh, schistomyces can be uh, transferred from snails. Also, uh, there's a lot of the uh, metasicaria or, or grubs that can get in your fish from uh, copepods. Can they get the worms? Because I know that um the worms is that your scientific name, Adam? The I, worms? Have, I have heard. Now I have had a, a friend of mine. He actually oh, yeah, got a friend. He said that he got pinworms from crickets, but that wouldn't attack. That wouldn't go into fish. Uh, that I'm not familiar with. Okay, because I just thought I'm like, dude, you're supposed to wash your hands after touching crickets. But are you asking for yourself, Adam? Is that no. who your friend is? No, no, no. Adam, I, I, Adam, do you have pinworms? No, I do not. Okay, hey. <laughs> Hey. Just a friend asking. All right, just between friends here, right? It's COVID season, so I want you to treat your tank after your hands have been in it and you're ready to go to eat dinner like you just touch, touched a Walmart shopping cart. All right? Oh, just if you I can sanitize up, chop your fingers off. off. Chop your fingers off. All right, next question. What are some ways to cure a microbacteria marinum? Microbacteria None. marinum. None. Zero. Next question. <laughs> None. You Next. can't just tell us like yeah. you're you're f dude. Bleach your tank. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, Mycobacterium uh, marinum, very nasty, very nasty bacteria. Uh, walls itself off in the fish, so there's there's no treatment for it that won't kill the fish. Unfortunately, depop and and starting over is is the general uh, general route there. So the way to Ooh. the way to cure it is don't get it. Y yes, and that, now with that said, uh, it's it's in the environment all over the place. That's what causes uh, what they call fishmonger's disease, uh, and and some people actually can get it uh, get it in their hands. It's in both freshwater and marine waters, and uh, typically most people, if if you get it from a fish tank, it, it's because you had cuts on your hands already, and and then you're putting your hands in the water, or uh, you're working on your on your reef tank, and you're moving your live rock around, and your live rock falls and cuts you real good. And what do you how do you treat a person for that? Several courses of intense antibiotics, and, and usually you have a pretty nasty scar. Wow, that's crazy. How often do you see that? Like, is it a common, or is it like just like a one in a 10,000? Well, let, let's hope it's not that common. I've known two people in my life that have had it. One, one uh, was associated uh, with work, and the other was a, a person that I met at a, uh, at a fish symposium. Um, did, did he have like a wicked cool scar at least? Uh, yes. Excellent. <laughs> See that if you at least get some horrible disease that you finally get over, you at least need some like token to be like, that's a great thing to talk about at a party. I'm like, no, seriously, dude. I like, I was escaping a tank and I almost died. I can't help. I can't, I can't even imagine how big of a scar I'm going to have from just doing this podcast with you for a year. Psychological scars don't count, Jimmy. Oh, I'm good. I'm good then. <laughs> we should get a, like a tequila sponsor or something. Vodka, call us. We'll, we'll figure it out. Ryan Reynolds, give us a holler. Right. We, we want some aviation gin. Uh, um, why did using tweezers to remove uh, ick from my fish harm it? This is a great question. Like, my question of the day, buddy. Question of the day. So why are we not to remove ick with tweezers? Wow. <laughs> that was my ick. I, I told you to prepare for some of these. Now, we're not trying to condemn this person. This person clearly just doesn't know how ick, uh, ick works. So, like, 30 seconds. His name him. is Tom the Bomb, so that might be part of it. 30 seconds or less. Hit him. 
Uh, the only thing I ever used tweezers for on a fish uh, would be either Argulus or, or Lernia or Anchorworm. So, so Argulus is uh, fish lice and Lernia is Anchorworm. Uh, those pretty much require either taking them off with your fingers or with uh, with tweezers. But uh, Ick is actually insisted under the skin. It looks like it's on top of the skin, but it's not. It's under their skin. So if you're pulling Ick off with tweezers, you're actually ripping holes in the fish's skin, which is going to leave them susceptible to uh, all the nasty bacteria that are in your tank all right so here's one question that's not uh on, on the list i had a message to me i figured this is a good time to bring it up uh, great question uh, essentially learn how to how the ick process works and then i'll tell you why we can't use tweezers but the question that hand that i was sent was do you know any people that for swim bladder issues or any other issue use some sort of peripheral to you like a wheelchair like for fish like i've seen how they use like straws with like bobbers try to keep goldfish upright oh I, <laughs> you've honestly, got too much time I mean, in their hands that, 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 you know uh there's a couple rare you, cases where i've seen uh, it work and telling you why humane humane euthanasia humane euthanasia and what he meant by that was yeah. buy an oscar <laughs> so I, i'm with doc on this right especially because doctor you work in a massive a fish warehouse you're, you're trying to attend the fish's care needs putting some sort of contraption on it when you can't watch it it's probably going to kill it faster and much more harsh. So euthanasia is great. But if you're one of those people that decide that with a swim bladder and you have some weird fantail goldfish and you want to give it a try, know that you now have to sit in front of that tank for the next like three hours or minimum just to make sure that that's not going to slip and harm your fish. I have heard for swim bladder issues with goldfish that duckweed, adding duckweed in your tank and they'll eat the duckweed will help considerably. I've heard that over and over. Have you heard, have you heard that? I've heard duckweed. I, I've heard uh, crushed up peas. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of those uh, anecdotal remedies for, for stuff like that. And, uh, you know, if it works for you, you know, keep doing it. I, I don't know that it's really science-based. I'm going to get some pictures and video of this uh, fish wheelchair for uh, for Doc, just for the sake of entertainment, to share with his friends. Yeah, he's not his head, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. All right. How, how does fish TB present? And what's the actual risk of catching it from your fish? Uh, that's back to your mycobacterium marinum. And marked off. Next question. When you get wild-caught fish, are there any areas where you find proportionally higher rates of viral infections? Uh, uh, Southeast Asia. And why? But just because the, the mass quantities of fish grown there. As we're doing more and more research, we're finding more and more viruses, and, and we're finding viruses in wild fish that there really aren't people around, like in South America, where you know, the closest town is 300 miles away. Or finding new viruses. They're not new viruses, but new to us. Uh, like right now, uh, picorna viruses are, are, are the big one that's uh, getting a lot of study. And why is that getting a lot of study? Just because there's money, there's, there's funding for it. It's being jumped on. Uh, unfortunately, because we're on the, the ornamental side of things, there, there's not a lot of funding for research like there is for food fit or, or shrimp production or anything like that. Uh, so, so whenever a grant comes up and somebody specializes in something and can get a hold of one of those grants, you know, they run with it. Wonderful. Next question is, how? what are my options to, be, uh, to treat a tumor? It's mm. not a tumor. Tumor. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. Uh, they can be, they can be excised, uh, but it takes a lot of experience and, and it's really going to depend on where the tumor is located, but, uh, de definitely have to, uh, sedate the fish, which is not, not an easy task. And then, uh, have a lot of experience excising, uh, that, that would be something, you know, there, there are fish veterinarians out there that specialize in stuff like that. 
So for the, because I've had this question quite a few times before. And number one, is it a malignant tumor? Is it a cancerous tumor? I mean, I'm, I don't have the tools, nor am I going to pay the money for a, you know, a $4 fish to get tested. Honestly, it's just out of my means. So if it does not affect its life, let them live. I've now had one of my dojo loaches, which is half the size, live now nine years with a massive tumor out the side of it. I think it hindered its growth. It could not grow any further, but it's lived happy, healthy, and fed. Just passed away a couple weeks ago. You know, do your best with what you can. If it is uh, affecting its life or you think it's going to, you know, make it so it won't live correctly, um, contact, like you said, a vet. In most situations, it's most humane to take care of it because if you're in an area that you do not have a vet, a vet to take care of that, the risk of you, you know, hurting that fish in a worse way than just humanely putting it out is pretty high. <laughs> Buy an Oscar. I, I, yeah, I would agree 100%. Honestly, I mean, what would you rather do? Put it out humanely or watch it die of its wounds from a operation that you've never done before. Right. And just because you slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night doesn't mean you're a doctor. <laughs> Does not mean you're a doctor. Okay, next one is, how can I cure bloat by brapping a fish? How did, how did I, excuse me, how did I cure a, a bloat by brapping a fish? What the hell's that? So, for those uh, that don't understand this brapping term... This is uh, used as a meme in a lot of uh, fish communities, how they release a lot of oxygen from their uh, from their stomach. So I would assume this particular person happened to, in a last dire effort, squeeze their fish, made it release some sort of air pocket in its body, however, wherever, and now it's cured. Why would you? Wouldn't Praise Jesus. <laughs> so uh, is there any times where you would, quote, squeeze or barap a fish to uh, cure it of an ailment? Only to get it out of its shell. And, and again, we don't yeah. recommend this. We understand that doctor does not recommend you ever brapping your fish. But has there ever been a time where, like, well, a little squeeze and just fix the issue? It, no, I, I will say I have tried it a couple times on some some larger uh, marine groupers with, with no success. <laughs> I'm going, why are you hanging out with marine groupers? But... He was fishing, man. Yeah. Wouldn't a needle kind of work? Like injecting a needle to the air pocket to pop it, would that work? Or no, that would be just as bad? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really going to depend on on where, where that air pocket was located. Uh, you know, if you hit any any major organs while you're sticking a needle in it that's going to do some some serious damage and uh you also have to think of the uh the wound site itself for a secondary bacterial infection as well i mean there's there's so many questions like what's the fish species for instance my dojo loaches they right. continually fart on a 10 minute basis are they just you know bloated by nature and they'll just fart in an hour and i don't have to worry about it is it something that has a you know a easily burstable swim bladder like is that that an issue you know it, there's so many questions don't wrap your fish just don't don't do it or else you'll need to buy the, the make the special handicap bullshit that right then Robbie's you'll have to have a wheelchair for, for your giant fantail so don't do that either um but for that the, the person that messaged this in go to spiritual uh please send us in more information on how you wrap your fish i need to know more why does my bacteria orgasm, and why do my shrimp eat it? So he's he's essentially just making fun that his shrimp or, mul or bacteria multiplies in his tank, and his shrimp eats it because shrimp are disgusting, and they like eating bacteria. All right, next question. <sighs> See, I told you these are winners, Doc. These are these are good questions here. What is the weirdest cure that you've used that you w that wouldn't work, but surprised when it did, <laughs> like wrapping your fish? I, I I don't have an answer on that one. I don't think. I think you stumped me there. It's all right. You take your time. This is going to be a good answer. What? Maybe the 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 oddest thing I've ever done is uh, 
and it's not really odd and, and it was actually quite on accident left the the incoming water and air off on a tank uh that was uh had some really really sick fish that were going down the tube went off and left it uh closed on a friday and came back monday and uh amazingly all the fish looked much much better interesting i think the best one that i've done is the uh i went over to a person's place and they had this the only way i could put it was an obese goldfish the thing looked like it was the stay puff marshmallow man it wasn't like his scales were flailed. It was literally a ball. Like, it, it, it had, like, a fat mane going around its gill plates. It was crazy. Um, I don't know if it was just bloated or... I did follow her feeding regimen. She was feeding the thing, like, every hour on the hour. It was crazy. Like, every time she walks by, she just, like, blesses it with a handful of shit. Is that what your mom did to you? Uh, that's what happened. I'm telling you. Right up front. So, uh, as a good regimen, I'm like, yes. no, no. We need, to, we need to fix this fish. Oh, I don't know what to do. So I said, you have to do a fish fish feeder. You cannot feed your fish anymore. You're not allowed. I'm, I'm taking away those privileges, and we're putting in a fish treadmill. So I put a little <laughs> little power head in there, and that little bastard spun for days until he finally figured out that he needs to move. And then he actually did lose a bit. So he lived, I think, another like four more years. Which Fantastic. Is, which is kind of the same story as, as what Rob's mom did to him is, is she moved four blocks further away from McDonald's. Right. That's, and, that's all it takes. And he was seven and he had to walk four blocks farther to get a Big Mac. I'm like, I really want a Big Mac. <laughs> all right. Next question. Um, we know that garlic cures vampires, but will it cure ick? No, garlic does not cure ick. So uh, you cannot gar- cure ick with garlic guard? No, uh, no, no, no. See, Adam is uh, a firm believer in garlic guard. Garlic, uh, garlic is good for uh, stimulating a feeding response on on fish that uh, are, you, you're not able to get to eat easily. But other than that, there's no peer-reviewed research or any science uh, to say that uh, garlic will do anything to ick. So I'd I'd like to to question your your idea. Not that not you're an expert here, Doc, but. Um, I have firm belief that it doesn't cure it either because I've treated it like I'm, over and over. I'm like, oh, you hippies, throw garlic in there. No, it does not. I've never had it work. But that being said, I have received donated fish, right, from uh, a single person. They came from three tanks. Two of the tanks got ick. All the fish from the third tank that was feeding nothing but exclusively like garlic-based food did not get ick. So I personally feel like it prevents it at best or at least boosts the immune system somehow. Because those fish there did not get ick at all. I was just blown that, that, away. That's very possible. But or, as, see, or total bullshit. But as One a of the cure, two. but as a cure, I'm don't no. Treat like no, you no, should. No. That's see, like, I had I have colon no. cancer. I'm gonna drink a lot of water today. Okay, so the way I used it was, and the way I had understood it, and I had read this, I don't even remember where, but I'd read it somewhere, was that there's that chemical that, I don't know if it's allicin or it's something in the garlic. It builds up in the slime coat, and then it can't penetrate into the slime coat. So it won't necessarily cure it, but if you feed it over a long period of time, it'll build up in the slime coat, and then you don't get ick. I've used it and I've loved it and I'd sell the crap out of it because I thought that it worked and it helped. But I mean, yeah, there is no scientific stuff, but I've seen it work in my tanks. And he's looking at me like I'm a f-ing idiot. It, it sounds like voodoo black magic to me. Uh, uh, I'm going to buy one of those like garlic uh, garlic things on strings. Just and we send it to Adam's house. No, Just hang it, hang it in your tank, float right. it in there. Put a cross behind so you can pierce their souls. Okay. So I, I've got a question, Dr. Fish. Why is Robbie's clown loach have blood streaks in its tail? Is, is, is clown, Ooh, is, that's, a, that's a good one. His clown uh, loach has, t- has been acting differently. I sit next to the same tank every week, 
Honestly, it's uh, it's something that came up. I think it's just one of them that has the real issue. Yeah, and and anyway, I, I watched him kind of start acting strangely a couple of weeks ago, and now he, today he's got little blood streaks if you look really hard. Well, first we're gonna treat with salt and then do a water change, and then doctor's gonna recommend something else. It 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 uh, typically when you see uh, blood streaks in in the fin finage, uh, the, that's typically a bacterial infection. You know what what type of bacterial infections? Uh, hard to say, unfortunately. So, what would you uh, treat anything with this, or just hope it runs its course? I yeah, I would just uh, you know really uh, good good water changes, high water quality, good food, uh, and 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 see what happens. Unfortunately, yeah, that that would be the best uh, route for right now. Oh, also, I did some more homework. I wanted to prove my other theory. So when I was a kid, right, I grew up with a lot of uh, vegetarians, and they just believe that you should take garlic pills every day. And these people, like you see them at church, you see them wherever, and they they just reach. It, they stink of garlic in their breath, their skin, like in their hair. Like they smell like garlic people. You know these type of hippies I'm talking about. So <laughs> growing up, I'm a, I'm a fat kid with O positive, right? I got the good stuff and I get just mauled by mosquitoes, right? That is our state bird. So I decided like, all right, people say like, I'm not seeing these weird hippie garlic eaters do it. So I decided to like put garlic chives in all my stuff, take a bunch of garlic pills until I was of the same smell of these people. <laughs> my mother hated it. I did it for like a few months in the summer during peak mosquito season. And the mosquitoes seem to be leaving me alone. Now I'm finding out that mosquito, there's like hippie mosquito spray used with garlic because apparently it's toxic. And you have to, according to the research, you have to consume crazy amounts of garlic before it even affects the uh, mosquito's blood intake. So maybe, maybe if we just pack our fish with piles of garlic, we'll have no results whatsoever. Money well spent. Money well spent. All right. Uh, how do you forcefully breed fish? I'm not watching that. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, we'll pass there, Willard. Uh, okay. I think he's trying to meme, um, but uh, I think this came from a real question on how do you induce breeding for uh, specifically carp. But that was a pretty funny oh. way of doing it. I'm not going to, not going to lie. Yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to be injection, injections of uh, one, of, one of the chemicals we were discussing earlier. Well, I've seen, because uh, I've even seen like some of the koi breeders uh, that are part of the koi club in. They just wait for a girth female. They squeeze into a bull and squeeze some milk. I mean, it's like two squeeze processes. So are you saying yep. like hormones to get that going? Correct. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get them egged up and then, and then you'll milk them and, and then you'll milk the male and, and mix it yourself. And uh, with a feather. you go. And it's, it's pretty easy. Like it, you, you assume that it's, it's, you know, there's something to it. It really isn't when they're when they're really gravid with eggs. You just it's a light squeeze and they just spill out. Like It's not, yes, a, not a lot of work. All right, next question. That's just wrong, people. I mean, it was a good way of doing it. So what did um, you do this afternoon? I got my fish off. <laughs> I'm telling you, we, we still got to, Jimmy, life. you and I still got to do that Pornhub account. Where no, we're not doing a Pornhub account. No, we're going to do a Pornhub account with just like mollies uh, and guppies just going at it and then just put music to the background. I'm telling you, it'll make a lot of money. They do have donkeys and horses doing that. No, no, definitely not. No, no, this is just fish. All right, my next subject. I'm pretty sure that's not on Pornhub, Jim. It is. Trust me. Oh, man. Can you talk about ick and why it's the only deadly to fish in enclosed ecosystems like fish tanks, but in the wild, it's practically harmless to fish, a.k.a. can you talk about the life cycle of ick in the wild? Well, I, I think we discussed this on, on the first Dr. Fish. I think so. Uh, but, yeah, when you're in an enclosed environment, there's nowhere for those ick to go. They're going to go on your fish. They're an obligate parasite. They must have a fish to live. They don't have a fish within 48 hours of uh, when they're feeding. They're done. They, they die. 
out in the wild. You've got millions and millions of gallons of water for the fish to go wherever it wants to go. And uh, it, in, in a fish tank, you know, that's where they have to go. So that's, that's the quick answer on that one. All right. So we have a couple of joke ones I'm going to skip, but they're reading. Uh, they're worth reading because they're funny. Does collecting wild juvenile fish decimate the seagull population? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one would be what type of water do farms keep live bears in? Is it something special? Uh, no, not, not, nothing special. And that's going to depend on the, the grower themselves. You know, uh, every grower has their own little little secrets. Some of the growers uh, will use well water uh, mixed with uh, creek water, depending on if they have any, uh, if they have access to that. At our farm, uh, we use uh, our well water mixed with uh, RO water to try to manipulate the pH a little bit. Uh, next question: How much truth is there? In higher temperature, uh, raising fry faster. Higher temp water. Uh, it's going to increase the metabolism of, of the fish uh, when you increase the the temperature. Uh, so I, I suppose that would uh, grow them faster. I mean, we're 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 warm blooded species, so we're going to stay relatively the same temperature regardless of how dumb we are and go outside. Uh, but these things are really affected by their environment. That's why it's so crucial keeping the temperature within a ten degree um, range in a lot of fish is because their right. metabolisms are so affected. So if you're having higher temperature, I mean, the, the, the narrative there is that they're going to eat more, they're going to grow faster. I mean, even we talk with uh, uh, Steve Rubicki, he keeps a lot of his older uh, angels um, cold on purpose just to essentially make them, quote-unquote, last longer. He keeps them, yeah, because he keeps three different tiers of, of tanks, and he heats the room, and so, of course, the bottom tanks are much not much, but they are cooler than the top tanks. And right. so, so he'll keep some of his breeders down there. So I got one for me. How do I not get algae when I add sticks from the outside? Boil the crap out of them. Bake them. But sticks are hard because they can light on fire in your oven. So, I mean, the best way is boil them, honestly. Boil them. Salt them. Yeah. Roll them in salt. Boil them, boys. <laughs> Pretend that you're going to serve them to mom. Unless you have something uh, better, that, doctor. That, no, that's some great advice. Uh, I, I I suggest also uh, like if you if you like to use peat in your filter or something like that, uh, I I suggest baking it or, or or even microwaving it before you ever put it in your uh, in your in your filter sock or whatnot. Mycobacterium can can live in the peat even though it's dried out. I've seen people actually purchase old toaster ovens from their thrift store just to make sure that they can do it outside on a cement floor in case something goes haywire and they light something on fire and it's not going to cost them a whole lot of money and they did it safely. But uh, yeah, I think even like one of the old like Dustin Fish Tank's YouTube videos, he was like baking shit in a toaster oven. Could you could you take the like peat moss and freeze it? Would that take care of some of the problems? I mean, if you put it uh, in a freezer for I I'm, I I would say heat is better than cold okay. for, for stuff like that. Definitely. I mean, if that was the case, we'd have no bacteria blooms in the spring in our lakes and streams. Actually, like the flash point of wood is 572 degrees so if you were to do like a slow low roast in your oven well i'm for worried like more an hour like or so a stick falls off a baking sheet falls on a coil burns down a house they sue aquarium guys and we all go to jail so don't do that no you are <laughs> not you're going to jail responsible right? for anything that we are not do, responsible but... these are vague recommendations and some aren't even recommendations pontification we need a lawyer as well as hr jimmy <laughs> You know, we're, we're we're gonna have a meeting with the HR here very shortly, so you guys might want to pull up your pants and get ready for a kick in the nuts. All right, so I'm going through here. Uh, can you safely bleach treat uh, septicemia and fish? What? No. <laughs> Next question. Uh, I'm even worse than what I got. I'm on. I'm, I'm reading it honestly here. That one's that one's there. Septicemia is treated by antibiotics. They already answered that one. There you go. Yes. Yes. Um. In what would bleach be a medication for? <laughs> Blue ring octopus when Adam has them. 
uh, I mean, clearing your tank of viruses and uh, mycobacterium. It also but, uh, makes you, your you white sparkly bright. There. I mean, it, it's going to kill bleach. Enough bleach is going to kill damn well anything that you want to kill. That includes your fish. Maybe this person should oh, it so they don't procreate. I like this one. Bleach is an effective treatment for life. Oh yes. man! Yes, it is. Woo. You know, if, if you're dating that certain someone and you're not quite sure of their background, maybe you want to go home and just take a bath in bleach when you're done. Well, I'm glad they actually put some background to this because we have so many questions on this. Like, hey, don't ask me. Someone literally gave me this advice to use bleach treat on another server, and it wasn't even a joke. Um, wow. Because the person what? lives in Canada and can't get regular fish meds, he says he uses bleach often. <laughs> no. And, and uh, well, there there are certain kinds of quote unquote bleach uh see that's, we need that's more information probably, that's what we're need to get again yeah yeah there's yeah because i mean there are uh, uh chloramine tea is technically a type of bleach and and it's used for for, for food fish and and uh, and tropical fish but not not at levels that are are going to disinfect or sterilize much 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 lower levels and and basically all bleach it's just they're just oxidizers so all right, so some of the questions here so that we it, have to skip. So it's it's kind of like Canadian bleach kind of has the same effect of like their dollar versus our dollar. It's just, <laughs> it's just much weaker. It is a little bit weaker. You know, kids don't drink it as often. Um, again, again, a couple of questions we have to skip, and they put a lot of comedy questions in here. Like, uh, are you able to turn your fish nocturnal? How hard is it to really make your Bashir, uh, Bashir terrestrial? You know. Uh, silly questions we're going to skip, but uh, good effort, guys. Most of it, uh, they actually put a, like a lot of advice for this. Most important thing is, my opinion, it would be changing the feeding time to three a.m. All experience, other experiences may differ. <laughs> Why do you want to turn your fish nocturnal? Because you're up all night partying too, right? Um, do you have any? Uh, okay, here's here's a good one for you, doctor. What uh, tank and requirements do you recommend for poontang? <laughs> <laughs> Lots and lots of money. Lots, lots, lots of money. <laughs> lots of money. Very and then, expensive fish. And then have Ted Nugent come by and, and say, Wang Dang, sweet Tang. <laughs> very, very expensive fish. Um, any decent tank that is responsibly so clean, thriving things, a good parent. Um, nope. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, that there's a couple of them. Like, what is this fish? And they show like some like saltwater glass fish, and it's re-identified. Um. All right, I think we caught up with questions. We're going to go back to the Aquarium Guys Discord and finish up questions There was a here. lot of Poontang questions there, was, there, wasn't there? I had to cut, cut all the Poontang questions out. I figured we'd just highlight it once, and that's, that's good enough for Dr. Fish tonight. All right. <laughs> this is a heavy episode. Does, does Seagrass Farm sell that? Got, Yellow Tang, Blue Tang, Poontang? You know, they got a sale on Poontang. No, no, no. no. Okay, no, but hear, hear me out, right? <laughs> no, let's not. No, we're going to call Sandy after the podcast. No, we're not. We're, we're going to say, hey, Sandy, can you do us a favor? Can you say the Aquarium Guys special, Poontang, on special price this month and just see if you get anybody calling about it? Yeah. No. <laughs> let's let's not piss off Sandy. Yeah, Love I, you, Sandy. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> hey. All right. When you're hearing this, just consider it. All right. We'll, we'll happy Could to advertise cross? for free. Could you cross a regal tang with a blue tang, like the regular dory type tang? Uh, crossing fit, uh, cross, when, when you're talking cross genus, uh, that doesn't always work, but uh, obviously with, you know, the sturtles, it, it, it can happen. So. Okay. I saw a zombie. I was just thinking time. that would be kind of a cool fish. So if you cross like a dory with like a regal t or like a powder blue and a, and a blue tang, that'd be kind of pretty. 
It'd be something for sure. Anyways, more questions. So I got 10 out of sync lists the other day. Within six days of being in quarantine, all of them got yellow patches on their head and passed away. No other fish are in quarantine at any signs of anything within the past four days. Also, um, a lot of the autos behaved normally, ate normally, until I would find them swimming with the fishes. What gives? Why did the 30 plus guppies not catch anything? Well, number one, I want to know how big this tank is. Like, if you got 10 auto sinkless and 30 guppies, you got to be a hefty boy and get a big boy tank. 10 gallons. <laughs> Might be. So um, what have you seen that gives them yellow heads and then they swim with the fishes? So so all fishes have di uh, differences in susceptibility to parasites, you know, pathogens, water quality itself. Uh, some fishes tolerate conditions or infections that others can't. Possible that the otosinclus were already immunocompromised and uh, got a secondary bacterial infection, which is what that sounds like, but also could have been a, a, a protist issue. That's why having a, a, a microscope is really important uh, for what we do at Seagrass because there's a lot of uh, diseases that can present themselves in the same way. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll be like, I know that fish has, you know, X problem with it. We'll break out the scope, do some fin clips, gill clips. That parasite or pathogen isn't there. You know, it's something completely different. So uh, it, it happens. Uh, and then uh, with Otisinclus, they're not the hardiest fish to begin with, especially the supply chain that they have to come through. They're in transit a long time uh, from the time they're captured or grown and, and, and then shipped here. And then your your bottom your bottom dwelling fish are always, always going to have a better chance of getting sick uh, just because of the opportunistic uh, pathogens and parasites that are in the water and hang down at the bottom. All right, next question. How many tanks... Oh, excuse me. We answered that one before. Uh, cannot using a heater in Florida's AC-controlled environments cause any medic medical conditions and illnesses to fish in these aquariums uh if your ambient temperature change is long and is big enough to actually change the temperature of the water quickly that could be issues but in uh most parts of florida i don't think that's going to be don't think that's going to be a problem and honestly bigger is better because let's say you had that extreme deal where you left the house, your Nest thermostat kicked off. For some reason, your maid opened all your windows, and now it's 102 degrees when it was 64. Your 55, your 125-gallon tanks are still going to change temperature a lot slower. Thicker glass, more water, it takes time. Versus like a 20-gallon, 10-gallon, or 5, man, the moment the sunshine hits it, that thing's going to roast. Definitely agreed there. Uh, better question, is there a way to keep my angels from being sexually attracted to my heaters? Uh... <laughs> Dress, dress your heater differently. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you put your heater like a um, vertical, they're just asking you to get raped, right? You have to lay them horizontal, low in your tank, so then they're not going to get, you know, screwed with. Either that, or get a couple of slates and and lean up against the heater, and then they will be sexually attracted to that slate and lay their eggs there. Man, we should make a T-shirt where yeah, like <laughs> uh, uh, angelfish is like making sexual advances to a heater. <laughs> Yeah, that will sell really well. I'd buy it. I'd wear that hoodie all day, twice on Tuesdays. In the rare case that he gets stumped, such as identifying strange illnesses, how does he find answers to his questions? Being the guy with all the answers is nice until you have to question yourself. Hours and hours of reading and looking at fish, leaning on my mentors and my colleagues. Google Scholar is a great source. Medical, medical fish uh, publications. That and, you know, finding great oh. communities like Discord and other forums. Occasionally, Absolutely. you can get bad advice there, too. Like no treating with bleach. We've learned that today. Um, yep. What is the oddest oddball you've had to work with at Secrets Farms? Julie. All Julie. <laughs> yeah. Poor Julie. Uh, 
I'll tell you the the, the hardest thing to I I find the hardest thing to work with is, is uh, some of the uh, uh, marine inverts, uh, urchins, stuff like that. Whole different ball game than fish. You know, this past week on National Geographic, they've been running a special and showing all the uh, things in the ocean and the reefs down in the Southern Hemisphere. And they had some incredible stuff on the long spiny urchins and the, the one fish that will eat them. Yeah, it was incredible watching these things in the wild. Um, those long fin spiny urchins, some of them had uh, 12 to 16 inch spikes on them. Incredible. But uh, if you want to see some really cool stuff, National Geographic's been running it uh all week. I wish I remembered and wrote down what the titles were, but uh, just incredible photography and uh, just very um, educational. So I encourage anybody to check that out. That's cool. All right. Here's a question for everybody. What is the most bulletproof fish that you've ever uh, experienced? I'm talking about like one species, no treatment, prevention, acclimation when bringing in wild stock. What is bulletproof? I'm going to ask Jimmy first. I've got that cement goldfish out in my front yard. That that thing is not going to lie, rock solid. Rock solid. It hasn't, hasn't got ick. It doesn't care about the snow or the wind or the rain. It don't give a damn. Not, not even a little bit. All right. How about you, uh, Adam? Um, besides my endlers. Besides your endlers. Uh, your feeder guppies. The, the best luck I've actually had is uh, wild blue rams. Ooh. The Bolivians? They're not even no, German. No, no, not Bolivians. Like the ram cichlids that are wild caught. So are wild-caught blue rams uh, a lot less aggressive because they're not German? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Do they speak funny? They they speak with Spanish, an Argentinian accent. Argentina. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Didn't Madonna do a song about that? Don't leave me Argentina? Yeah. I'm going to go either convict cichlids or dojo loaches. Uh, the, the reason dojo loaches is because literally you can throw them in, like, frozen lakes and they'll thrive. Um, they're the most bulletproof things ever. I've had it where they're living in no water. It's crazy. And uh, convicts, I know that you're not supposed to keep them low temperatures. But honestly, when have you ever had a convict not thrive? <laughs> They'll thrive in a toilet. They, they breed in toilets. Honestly, a guy actually had a toilet tank I saw online that he was having convicts breed in, just for the sake of the joke. Like, oh, what's the toilet doing in the middle of your room? Like, open the lid, convicts. Uh, what's yours, Dr. Fish? Uh, in, it's pseudotrophia cichlids, uh, it, it, pretty much any of them. Uh, they're, they're really, really solid, hard to kill tolerate any kind of water you throw at them eat whatever you throw in there that happens to be my my favorite fish anyway labia trophius specifically but the malawi mbuna are, are pretty solid so i think we need to give an honorable mention to a icon through the podcast charlie the catfish we told a story about how he was in six months of two inch water we didn't even know he was there complete blackness no food 50 degrees and uh we six months later like oh we got to go take the stuff out of a warehouse and then there he is still alive somehow so he lived for years after that we uh sent him to west virginia with uh, our friend, dear friend dabby dabby had him for a long time and he finally finally passed away after all these years jimmy that's because somebody fed him and cared for him right and he he got love he <laughs> He, he felt compassion. He released the hate and, <laughs> and then died. and then gave gave it all away. So, they killed him with kindness. That's right. Killed that, him with kindness. Those people in West Virginia. All right. Um, here's uh, one that I got submitted in. How do you know if you're dealing with a slow-killing columnarius strain? I think I said that correctly. 
Are there any specific signs or symptoms that would confirm it is not columnarius? I can send you that word. Make sure I'm not butchering it. Uh, columnaris. Thank you. Uh, un- unfortunately, uh, con- a confirmed diagnosis of columnaris, uh, you need to do a wet mount for, uh, which is uh, you take your microscope slide to get a clip of the fin or or just scrape the fin or the skin and then put a, the slide on top of the uh, or the cover slip on top of the microscope slide and look under it. Uh, the cool thing about columnaris, it's a bacteria that you know exactly which bacteria it is just by looking at it. You don't have to have a, a bacterial ID done uh, because they form these uh, large haystack formations, what we call haystacks, and uh, they're flexing rod bacteria. Not only do they wave back and forth on their haystacks, but they actually flex. And uh, when they're making more bacteria, they'll uh, they'll actually they'll flex, 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 and then a bacteria out and then that bacteria goes out and it starts splitting and makes another haystack somewhere else. I would pay like 10 bucks for someone to narrate that. Like a I'm going to have a nightmare tonight about that. Just to be on YouTube, just someone like, no, don't do it, Charlie. And it just flicks another haystack out. <laughs> uh, so, and, and un- unfortunately, you know, uh, as I mentioned a little bit before, uh, you know, there's a lot of bacteria that can cause what looks to be col- a columnaris infection. A lot of the opportunistic bacteria is in the environment all the time can cause lesions like that. And there are some protists that can also cause that type of lesion. Gotcha. So the next one down the list that we have is not necessarily a question. I think it's more of a shout out. Um, one of the aquarium guy fans was apparently talking to another fan. Apparently he feels like he's learned a lot from the doctor. So he took a little clip of his text messages back and forth with him. And it says, I don't think I, my water was hot enough either. I'm adding salt plus raising the temp. Going to do a full, uh, going to order medicine and do a full cleanse. And uh, you just wanted to give a shout out to his uh, favorite fish doctor. Awesome. Okay, now we're going to get to the favorite part of the show. And I think this is where we're going to uh, finish things up. I don't know if you've had time to listen to our podcast, Doctor. You are very busy. You've had to deal with COVID. You have children. So we had an episode that we did for fun since we've been gone. And uh, we've gotten a lot of flack for it. And it was us trying to do, uh, basically, I don't want to say making fun, but poking fun at the podcasts that do all these conspiracy theories, right? You've heard a ton of them. There's there's murder mysteries, you know, paranormal, but we're picking on the conspiracy theorists out there. So we did our own, you know, Aquarium Guys version of conspiracy uh, theories. And we went through a lot of different topics, right? And the grand finale, besides the dolphin diddling, which Jimmy was very much into, let me tell you, he could not get enough of that. But uh, after that, we had this video. And it was only explained as the creepiest thing I've seen since doing this podcast. Now, the way to explain it, we can thank the guys at the the community tank for this content, specifically Spiritual the Fish. Um, Shout out to you. There is what's called Mauen Sweetwater, M-U-A-N, Sweetwater. Now, what this is, it's a YouTube video. And, Doctor, I want you to watch this video um, with us live on uh, the podcast tonight because it's just creepy. So, to give you a little background, this is a video. Um, Let me make sure I'm getting the correct one here. Here we go. I'll find the video here. Um, to give you background, this is a video that you, we found online, and it was frankly disturbing. What it depicts is fresh and saltwater species of all kinds put together in all these different tanks. I mean, every kind. Like you've heard of like guppies going can go in saltwater. It's not really recommended. But we're talking like sensitive fish species. It was really, really crazy and uncomfortable to watch. Like, how are they doing this? Are they somehow? harming the fish we don't know and shortly after we did this uh thing talking about the conspiracy of it trying to give our best depictions of it they removed the video from youtube 
Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing. We don't know what to make of it. There you go, doctor. Enjoy this. Now, again, they took down the video. I still have the original link. And they also took down their website. But they talked about how... Well, I'm going to let you do the video first. You go to do the video. And we'll play it on our end. I'm going to mute that just for like copyright purposes in case we want to get hit by YouTube again. So going through this video, it was uh, crazy because I even slowed down the frames to see if there's any, you know, like that uh, pH burn that you commonly see when you do uh, fresh into salt water on accident right, or, right. or do too much. There was no stress on these fish that I could find, no haze over the eyes. I even wanted to make sure that for some reason, maybe the tanks were layered. Like, for instance, they have a salt water right behind a fresh water and they, they try to make it some sort of optical illusion. But the problem is the fish are swimming around each other in a lot of these clips. And I'm going frame for frame on these things, right? They got Severums, you know, with a trigger fish. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. What country was this from? This is in uh, Korea. It's South Korea. Now that you're going through this and I'm just seeing your face, your face is just, it, you're having a small aneurysm like we were. I mean, honestly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. It's a lot. And it's basically set up. This is a institution, a building somehow set up as like proof biblical proof of sweetwater which is apparently some uh, biblical verse and again they took down the website but they were claiming that um they have to treat the water they have apparently pastors or, or preachers come in and bless water changes on a regular basis all kinds of craziness <laughs> and uh you know how the miracle of sweetwater could uh, you know benefit your health and your life and the, this whole thing they had a number we called into it was a legit number um, it was like a week, week and a half after we aired the episode, they took everything down. It just disappeared. Right. But uh, luckily, the people that uh, helped us find this, which again, this is a discovery from the, the, uh, the community tank, Spiritual the Fish, they actually saved copies. So what you're looking at is a direct up re-upload of the... <laughs> the videos they took down. You know, and you got yellow, you have yellow tanks swimming with discus, carp, uh, goldfish swimming with, with blue tanks. All That's in the same nuts. tank. You know, I'm, I'm looking for different pieces to see how fresh these tanks are because there's they're pretty clean, right? But again, I'm I'm doing frame for frame shots here. I'm seeing algae in the background. A couple of the decorations have some dirt on them, like there's some growth, like it's been in the tank a little while. A lot of the power heads have certain uh, black algaes growing on them, and it's common for saltwater aquariums, right? So I don't know wow. what type of sal salinity mixture they did. For so many species. I mean, clown knife fish, alligator gar, along with saltwater puffers. Like craziness. Stuff you really well, haven't seen. I, I have noticed that uh, all the freshwater fish that they are showing are definitely fish that uh, would uh, do just fine in very, very, very hard water. Right. Not not saying that that means that you know we're not seeing any uh we're not seeing any neon tetras or cardinal tetras or but there's discus there's there are discus. discus but if they're but if they were tank raised and have never seen low ph's then that really wouldn't matter uh, still though i mean i've i've yet to see a discus do that it's, it, and, it's not and, that it can't not that it can't but I think you could probably find a, a happy medium in there, honestly, for most of those fish on the freshwater side. Now, on the marine side, I, I, I don't have an answer for, for you there. So, so you're, you're, you're saying it's a miracle. It's a miracle. So what no. I want you to do, doctor, <laughs> is it's a lot to go through. It's it's four minutes and 20 seconds of, of footage, and there's a lot of species here. There's suckers even, like bait, some bait species. There's all kinds of craziness, right? I want you to go through this and really, like, maybe share it with some of your friends, you know, some of your colleagues. You know, blow up those secret uh, forward lists to see what's, uh, see what's up and see what they say because it's bizarre, man.
It's bizarre. It is. It is. I've never seen anything like that. And yeah, the call lines were like, come in, uh, learn more about, you know, um, again, is there religious, wonderful work of how the Sweetwater is maintained? You know, I'm, I'm not going to crap on religion, but I need to know how they're doing this, honestly. Yeah, like uh, for for the freshwater portion, uh, you know, a, a lot of those fish within time could could be you know moved over to to at least brackish. Uh, but I I really don't have an answer as to how they're they're keeping those saltwater fish that happy. I just don't know. Even even Oscars, I mean, they can take some, but nothing compared to what they got. Just seeing like there is a, a line of delicate fish. Uh, that they put along with the discus so i don't know if that right. one was special but i mean they got peacock cichlids that's another hard hard water species it's uh, still, yeah they'll tolerate damn near anything still a lot but no so uh initially that's your uh, first thoughts but if you come up with anything else we need to know this like any other thoughts on this because this is just a crazy thing and we'll have this video linked for you in the description if you're listening to this podcast on your own. Well, yeah, we, that's cool. We would like you to get one set up at Seagrass Farm so we can come down and see it. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll jump right on that. Now, if you notice, there's no corals or anemones either. <laughs> no, there's not. And there's clownfish. Like, their clownfish are, like, gathering around cups. Like, they're acclimated to something bright already. So it's like they've been in there a while. Yeah, that's 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 some crazy stuff there. Don't what know. kind of things would you expect to see with uh, the marine fish if they were actually in a less than optimal situation? Say all the freshwater fish are acclimated what would you see if you were to take those other marine fish and put them in that kind of situation uh typically you you know they're uh they're gonna they're gonna act like they want to be out of the water or they're gonna be very lethargic you want one, one direction or the other typically well it's a very and then what do you what do you see out of that that's off off base do they look like they're all comfortable to you i mean they're feeding uh, for crying out loud in school yeah yeah those fish all look fairly happy to me if, if not amazingly happy i'm just i see a, a trigger right a trigger fish right next to a sizable koi you know koi don't give a crap the mouth anything including tank mates i'm just imagining like how many chunks after this video were taken out of the koi just by coming up in the trigger fish's face uh, yeah that, that that's another thing Ooh. yeah that's uh... it's another christmas miracle well doctor please do your homework send that in we need to, <laughs> we need to know man we need your colleagues <laughs> send this over and if you need any other information we do have some uh, information scraped from the website and you know we did talk about it on our conspiracy episode number 49 if you want to listen to uh, some of the debauchery we talked about on that episode and uh dolphin diddling for sure nobody needs to hear that nobody needs i'm to hear amazed that. we hr didn't rip you a new one for that one. Oh, weird didn't you get the letter where we have an appointment scheduled we do have an appointment scheduled hr so put on your big boy pants and your crash helmet crash helmet i, I don't think it's gonna be good Okay. Well, Doc, you got anything else for us or any notes on that crazy video? Uh, no, no. Uh, just enjoyed being with y'all again. Uh, ha happy to do it whenever. And uh, uh, keep on keeping on. If you got questions, submit them on our website, AquariumGuysPodcast.com. On the website, we have our Discord. Please mark it for Dr. Fish if you want his answer on it. Otherwise, again, we'll, we'll find experts if we can't find them. We already got a little bit of homework from this episode. So do that, and big thank you to Seagrass Farms for uh, you know loaning us, James. We appreciate your time, buddy. Yeah, say Seagrass, see the best. There you go. Jimmy, you got anything for us? No, I just want to highlight uh, what we learned today, and that was uh, more tanks, more salt, and less bleach. Less bleach overall. <laughs> less bleach. Adam, you got something for us? No, thanks. Well, guys, if you like what you heard, support the podcast. Go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. Donate a couple bucks. Buy yourself a sexy Aquarium Guys crop top. There's stickers out now. Consider helping out, keeping the keeping the lights on. Until next week, be well, stay wet.
Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. I never knew that a Minnesota accent could be so sexy until I heard Adam's voice. Go fuck yourself, don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's my boy, don't you know.